Well, welcome to our Sunday evening service, November the 29th, 2020. Uh, we're glad that you're watching or listening, and sadly, we were not able to be together in live service today, but we are thankful that we are at least able to uh, have the Word of God being preached uh, online, and we are thankful for that. The Lord's been good. Let's not forget that. Uh, let's not live in fear. Uh, let's not uh, reject the truth of God's Word in spite of all that's happening in our world, the chaos, the confusion, the fear. Uh, we can live in peace, assurance, confidence, knowing that God is in control. If you would, please, uh, tonight, turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 23. Genesis chapter 23. And we're going to read here about Abraham. And, you know, we've had the privilege to walk with Abraham through the peaks and the valleys of his life, a life, uh, I would have to say, overall, that was lived well. Uh, we have seen him leave his homeland and walk with God by faith. We have witnessed his successes and his failures. We have seen him as he experienced the joy of, the joy of, of childbirth and uh, watched as he willingly gave up that same child uh, to the will of God. And we have uh, also seen him, uh, you know, as he's lived his life uh, filled with the best and the worst that life can dish out uh, on someone. In chapter 22, took this man of God to the pinnacle of faith and obedience as he offers his son to God. And then now in chapter 23, it takes him to the depths of the valleys of the shadow of death. Here, we're going to watch him say goodbye to his wife, Sarah. We've seen a man who has learned to walk by faith in, in all kinds of situations in life. And as he weathers the storms of life, he still walks by faith. And tonight, I... I'd like for us to watch Abraham as he teaches us how to live the life of faith even when tragedy enters our view. So I'm going to preach tonight on that thought, standing at the grave. So let's begin reading there, chapter 23 and verse 1. And Sarah was 107 and 20 years old. These are the days of the life of Sarah. And Sarah died in Kirjus Jarba. And the same is Hebron in the land of Canaan. And Abraham came to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. And Abraham stood up from before his dead and spake unto the sons of Heth, saying, I, have a I am a stranger and a sojourner with you. Give me a possession of a burying place with you that I may bury my dead out of my sight. And the children of Heth answered Abraham, saying unto him, Hear us, my lord. Thou art a mighty prince among us, and the, the choice of our sepulchres, bury thy dead. None of us shall withhold from thee his sepulchre, but that thou mayest bury thy dead. And Abraham stood up and bowed himself to the people of the land, even to the children of Heth. And he communed with them, saying, If it be your mind that I should bury my dead out of my sight, hear me and entreat for me to Ephraim, the son of Zophar that he may give me the cave of Machpelah, which he hath, which is in the 
into the, his field, for as much money as it is worth, he shall give it me for a possession of a burying place among, amongst you. And Ephron dwelt among the children of Heth, and Ephron the Hittite answered Abraham, in the audience of the children of Heth, even of all that went in at the gate of his city, saying, Nay, my lord, hear me, the field I give, or give I thee, and the cave that is therein, I give it thee, in the presence of the sons of my people, give I it thee, bury thy dead. And Abraham bowed down himself before the people of the land. And he spake unto Ephron in the audience of the people of the land, saying, But if thou wilt give it, I pray thee, hear me, I will give thee money for the field, take it of me, and I will bury my dead there. And Ephron answered Abraham, saying unto him, My lord, hearken unto me, the land is worth four hundred shekels of silver. What is that between me and thee? Bury before therefore thy dead. And Abraham hearkened unto Ephron, and Abraham weighed to Ephron the silver, and he had named, or which he had named in the audience of the sons of Heth, 400 shekels of silver, current money with the merchant. And the field of Ephron, which was in Machpelah, which was before Mamre, the field, and the cave, which was therein, and all the trees that were in the field that were in all the borders round about were made sure unto Abraham for a possession in the presence of the children of Heth before all that went in at the gate of his, of his city. And after this, Abraham buried Sarah, his wife, in the cave of the field of Machpelah before Mamre, the same as Hebron in the land of Canaan. And the field and the cave that is therein were made sure unto Abraham for a possession of a burying place by the sons of Heth. Well, praise the Lord. I'm going to I ask God to help us as we look into his word and that he would speak to our hearts. And maybe tonight as you're watching or listening, uh, you would ask yourself the many times that you may have been, stood at a grave. Maybe tonight, in a sense, you are still standing there because you haven't moved on. You haven't been willing to let go of that person, that loved one that has gone on. And God wants you to move on. Or oh, we're not to forget, there's no way we can, but we need to move on. By faith, let us step out, stand up, and serve the Lord with our whole life. Father, you have your way now. Help us to just see how true it is that we need to trust you, that we need to walk in your ways, live by faith, even in the times of sorrow and pain. So your will be done now, and in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, we, again, we've seen Abraham go through all kinds of things. This is probably one of the darkest valleys, one of the most painful valleys as he loses his partner, his wife. And we see that as he stands at this grave here, it's a time of separation. The sadness of separation, we see it in verses 1 through 3. We're told that Abraham's wife of some 70 years has died. Now, this kind of separation is part of everyone's life, isn't it? The Bible tells us it's appointed unto man once to die. But when it comes, we're never quite prepared for the hurt that it brings. It may be a long season of, of bad health, and we are prepared, we think, in mind for that separation. But, oh, it hurts. And to the point we are not, we're, we're not even sure um, when it comes that we uh, are prepared. 
Thank God the, the cruel messenger of death will be done away with forever one day. Revelation 21.4, it tells us there shall be no more death in heaven. Praise God for that. And 1 Corinthians 15.26, the last enemy that is destroyed is death, we're told. And one day it will be dealt with. So, but the sadness of separation is seen here uh, in this time of sorrow and in this sting of sorrow. When death entered the home of Abraham, it broke his heart. Many of you are well aware of that pain. The Bible says that he came to mourn and to weep. Now these words mean to wail and to shed tears respectively. By the way, this is a natural reaction to death. Oh, there are times when we hear people say not to weep over our dead. But when they are stripped from our presence, it's impossible not to weep. It's impossible not to miss them. And God is not asking us not to weep, nor not to miss them. F.B. Meyer said this, Tears relieve the burning brain as a shower the electric clouds. Tears discharge the unsupportable agony of the hearer as an overflow lessens the pressure of the flood against the dam. Tears are the material out of which heaven weaves its brightest rainbows. Tears are transmitted into the jewels of better life as the wounds in the oysters turn to perils, or pearls. Excuse me. So the sting of sorrow, the sadness of separation, then we also see the strength of steadfastness. Look at verse 3. It tells us that Abraham stood up from before his dead. This means that when the mourning period was over, over, Abraham moved on with his life. You see, grief is a normal part of living, but there's a time when grief must reach an end. Sorrow over death is natural, but sorrow that does not end is unnatural. Have you ever met someone who just could not get over the fact that they lost a father or a mother or maybe their spouse? They could not get over it. And they lived in a perpetual state of, of mourning. That's not what God wants us to do at all. We are told in the Bible that uh, in, in 1 Thessalonians 4.13, the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes this, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have, which have no hope. Yes, we'll sorrow, but we have that hope in our hearts that that dear brother or sister that has gone on to be with the Lord will see them again. We, we, uh, we learn to rejoice over our loved ones who, like Sarah here, have entered the realms of light. 2 Corinthians 5, 8, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And just like Junior, who passed away a week ago, we, we can take comfort in the fact that we will see him again. We will be with him. So our mourning is real. Our sorrow is real. The pain is real. But let it not overtake you and consume your life. Stand up before the dead. Get on with your life. 
One day, we'll join them. But until then, keep on keeping on for the Lord. So it's a time of separation. It's also a time to shine. Oh, the pain is real. The sorrow is real. Abraham has been given all the land of the promises of God. However, he does not own one square inch of, of the land at this point. He, he goes to talk to the men of the city and, and to inquire a place to bury his dead. Abraham, here in verse 4, I believe is what he's doing is declaring his identity. He said, I am a stranger and a sojourner with you. He tells these men he, 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 is, he is still a pilgrim among them. He has lived here some 62 years up to this point now. And yet he still is, he has never settled down. He says that he is a newcomer. And he is just, just a passing through. Even after all this time, he has never set his roots down in this world. Now what a lesson for you and I, Christian. What a lesson for every child of God. As long as our roots do not go deeply into this world, we will not become entangled in its affairs. May we never forget our identity. We are nothing more than pilgrims. We are strangers. This world is not our home. We are just a passing through. You see, Peter had it right there, pilgrims and strangers in 1 Peter 2, 11. Let us so live and not settle down, but keep traveling, looking for this, that city for our eternal home. This world, we're just a passing through. So Abraham declares his identity. He also demonstrates his integrity. In verse 4, the latter part of verse 4, down through verse 16, in order to secure a burying place for his wife, Abraham strikes a deal with one of the sons of Heth, a man by the name of Ephron. Abraham mentions a certain piece of prop property and, that, and Ephron offers to give it to him. He said, it's yours, Abraham. I'll give it to you. But Abraham refuses because he does not want to be indebted to any man. Look at verse 13, and he spake unto Ephron in the audience of the people of the land, saying, But if thou wilt give it, I pray thee, hear me, I will give thee money for the field, take of it me, and I will bury my dead there. So again, another valuable lesson, a good lesson for you and I, Christian, a good lesson for every child of God. We need to be beware that we know that we owe no man anything but love. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 13 and verse 8. Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. So when Ephraim sees that he has the advantage over Abraham, what does he do? He charges him far more than the land is worth. And far more than a fair price. But instead of standing up for himself, instead of protesting... Abraham humbly accepts the offer. Having to pay for that land, that is the land that God had promised him to give him, might have caused a lot of other men to stumble. I mean, think about it. 
This is my land. God has already told me it's my land. But now I'm going to pay a price for it to a man that doesn't really own it. In fact, not only a price, but a price far above a fair price for it. And so having to pay for that might have caused others to stumble, but Abraham was able to see beyond the present and into the future where it was all uh, going to be his land anyway. And so even in trials, Abraham was a man of integrity. Sometimes we, we feel as though because we're in a time of sorrow or because I'm in pain or I'm going through a situation, a trial or a trouble, therefore it will excuse my bad behavior. And it does not, my friend. Oh, no. Regardless of where we are, in whatever state I am, therewith we should be content. Yes, even in the state of Illinois. But not only content, we should also be a shining light for the Lord and uh, be men and women of integrity, a, a, a true follower of Jesus Christ. How you conduct yourself when the pressure of life is on says more about you than how you act when things are, are well. How you behave in the valley says more about you than how you behave when you're on the mountaintop. So one of the best examples in, in the Bible of integrity under pressure is Job. You remember in Job chapter 1, I'll just read uh, verse 22, it says, In all this, Job sinned not. He lost his family. He lost his, his wealth. He lost everything. But in all of this, in all of this loss, in all of this sorrow, in all of this pain, Job said not, nor charged God foolishly. So it was a time of separation. It's a time of, to shine. Uh, when we are in that dark valley, that's when our light can shine the brightest. When it's that time of sorrow, standing at the grave, that's when our light can shine the brightest. People will say, how can they be at such peace, suffering such loss? Because of God, because of your, your relationship with Him. And then thirdly, it's a time to serve. Verses 17 through the end of the chapter here, verse 20. The fact that Abraham buried his wife in the cave of Hebron uh, shows that the depths of his faith in the Lord um, and just being able to trust Him, taking the Lord God at His word. Of course, Abraham's faith is well known, it's documented. Even in the New Testament, in Hebrews chapter 11, we see in that, that uh, chapter of faith, it speaks of Abraham's faith in Hebrews eleven thirteen through 16. In Abraham's life, we can see faith exhibited in three areas, three specific areas. Number one, we see his faith in the promise or the promises of God. We see his faith in the promises of God. He was able to buy the cave with confidence seeing that he would already own the land in trust. He had, been, he had been given to him, or that land had been given to him by the precious promise of God. And Abraham knew that uh, this would all be his. He knew that one day he and his descendants would be buried in that very cave, but he was, uh, uh, but he was able by faith to see far even beyond that. He was able to see a day when he would stand with Sarah in the very presence of the Lord there in all, uh, in all glory in heaven. Hebrews 11 verses 9 and 10 talks about that. 
The same faith dwelled in the heart of Job. Job suffered greatly, but he uh, never lost sight of the fact that one day he would be with the Lord. One day this sorrow, this pain, this suffering would be over. And it should dwell in our hearts as well. I would like to take you to a New Testament passage of Scripture that is very familiar. One that we often read at a uh, funeral. And, uh, but in John chapter 14, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. So when we are able to look beyond the present, when we're able to look beyond the pain and the sorrow and the trials of today to the things that we have been given and promised by faith, it secures our heart. It frees our mind. It strengthens our hand to work. For we understand as we, like Abraham here, as we stand at the grave of a dear loved one, this is not the end. Oh, no, not the end at all. We may not have that person's presence with us on this earth, but we know we'll see them again. Oh, and we must uh, therefore have the motivation to work for the Lord until we're, we have arrived in glory. When we, uh, when we know we are doing uh, what God wants us to do, when we know that we are going to be standing before him one day, that we are going home, it makes the trials of this journey worth it. It makes it bearable, doesn't it? We know that all of this, it's not in vain. That one day, that all the pain and the sorrow will all be erased and will be with him forever. So we see his faith in the promises of God. We also see Abraham's faith in the plan of God. Abraham knew that even as he buried Sarah there, uh, there would also come a day when his descendants would inherit this land. His descendants would dwell there. And because of this great knowledge, Abraham was able to endure his grief, endure his pain and his losses. He knew that God's plan is always the best. I, I seem to have been quoting this verse quite frequently uh, this year, Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for the good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Yes, God's plan always is best for us. God will work it out. If we could ever grasp that truth, it would literally change our lives, Christians. It would spell the end of our second guessing. It would spell the end of our worrying and our whys and our what ifs. God has a perfect plan and it is not meant to hurt you, nor in any way is it to destroy you, but it is meant to produce the image of Jesus Christ in you, in your life. In fact, I quoted Romans 8, 28. Let me turn to Romans 8 and verse 29, which I uh, don't want to try to quote at this point. I want to make sure I get it right. But Romans 8 and verse 29, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate 
to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. That's God's will for you, Christian, to be formed in the image of his son. And so um, it is meant to glorify his name, to further his kingdom in this world. That's what God's plan will do. The best thing we can ever do is to submit humbly and totally holy to what the Lord is doing in and around us. Then we not only do see his, his faith in the plan and the promises of God, we also see his faith in the power of God. Even as he stared death in the face, Abraham was able to walk in victory because he knew that he was serving a God who controlled all the affairs of life and death itself. You see, Abraham knew this. He knew several things as he stood at that grave. Told his wife, honey, I'll see you again. He was also uh, able to say, because of that, I'm either going to die, I will be ending my life on this earth, but my life is not over. So what breath I have, what life I have left, I'm going to give it to the Lord. I'm going to serve him. So we see his faith in the power of God. He knew that even though his pain was great, his loss was terrible, in the end, he would come out a winner. Because God resides on the throne. God is alive. God is on the throne. And Abraham knew this. And it, get, it kept him going for him. Would to God that we would also remember that tonight. We're not going to be in this world with all of its pains and its heartaches forever. Uh, the trials and tribulations. But let me remind you, my friend, Christians, we are here for a purpose. Yes, we may be hurting with the rest of the world, but we have hope. We have faith. And we can be that salt and that light to the rest of the world, letting them see Jesus Christ in us. We are not going to be in this world forever. We're just a passing through. The day is coming when we will leave this world for a new home, amen, and a new body, praise God. And when that day comes, we, we will enjoy the victory. The bottom line is this. I've read the end of the book. I've read the end. Yes, and the Bible tells us that we already won. There is a victory, and it is ours. We're on the winning side. Oh, there's many battles to fight. That is true. But the war has been won. Won by the Lord. And, and we must just wait until the victory that we already hold by faith is beheld in the, uh, by the eyes. Right now, we, we, it's hard sometimes to see that victory, isn't it? When we look at our world around us. But we need to hold on to that truth. The victory is ours. We are more than conquerors. And one day we will beheld that victory in glory. There are times when we all look at an impossible situation and we wonder how much more can we take? Oh, Lord, this is too much for me to bear. But let me tell you, now that God's grace, I just want to tell you about His grace, it is sufficient. Whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, everything you will face in life, you will find that God's grace is sufficient. Paul found it to be true. He will give you grace 
and will stand you up from your dead. Oh, my, my Christian friend. Yes, we know what the sorrow of, of uh, losing a loved one is. But we cannot stay there. Even that dear friend or loved one that has passed would not want us to stay in sorrow. We must move on for the Lord, for His glory. Go on for His glory until the battle is over. I don't know what you might be facing tonight. But I do know that faith is where your victory lies. Let me read a verse, 1 John 5, 4. This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Listen, have faith in God. What will it take to get you to stand up from the dead? What will it, get, uh, to, what will it take to get you to stand up from, from uh, uh, being asleep as a Christian while the world is dying and going to hell? What will it take to get you to stand up? Whatever it is, the Lord has it. And I'd say, come and get it. Come and get it. You don't have to come to the church to get it right there where you are. You can bow your head and say, oh, God, I want the victory. Oh, God, I want to live for you. I want to amount to something for you with whatever life I have left. Give it to him. Stand up as you stand by the grave of a loved one. No, this is not, especially a loved one that has known the Lord. This is not the end. We'll see them again, and we have much to do. The fact that you're alive and you're breathing, God has a plan for you. Let him use you. Our Heavenly Father, we do pray that you'd help us all to live for you. Help us to see by faith and understand that victory, that joy, that peace, that place of rest that is ours. But until then, may we hold that by faith and keep pressing on for your glory. Use us, Lord, to reach the lost around us that are in darkness, that are blinded to the gospel light. And I pray that we'd be turning on some light switches all around us. So you use us for your glory, for it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you, folks. Have a wonderful evening, and if we can be of any assistance to you, please feel free to call on us. You can go to our website, find out how to contact us. We'd, be, we'd love to help you in any way we can.